Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to build a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, back here again with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, how's your week going? Always good, Robin. Always a pleasure to be doing another podcast and meeting someone new and looking forward to today's podcast with a young entrepreneur. So I'm eager and anxious to have our conversation today. As am I. I'm always interested in having these conversations. And this one's a bit of a first for the Success Leads Clues podcast. And I think you'll find out why soon enough. But joining us today is Mallory Green. She is the co-founder and CEO at Irene. Irene is an innovative funeral services company. Irene allows users to plan an affordable, direct cremation online, all at their convenience. There's no shopping around, upfront or in-person consultations required. Welcome to the show, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. And I know it's probably a first, but we'll have some interesting conversations today for sure. I'm sure. Again, yeah, <laughs> this is out of 151 episodes, we've never had someone from your industry. So I thought that's probably the best place to start. Why don't we start with, tell us about your business. And then mm-hmm. how did you end up here? Because I'm sure this, you know, you weren't five years old thinking, hey, this is what you do for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah, no. And I usually talk about my upbringing and it all makes sense of how I got into this industry. So I grew up in Aurora, Ontario. I went to French immersion school really always thought that I would work in charity or nonprofit. I don't have the typical entrepreneur story of selling at like lemonade stands or I wasn't really entrepreneurial by any means when I was young, but I think that just came with time and experience and and starting to realize what I was capable of. So post-graduating, I went to the University of Guelph and I studied international development, kind of similarly in line with that idea of being in the charity space. I graduated and I ended up getting a job at Wealth Simple, which at the time was a very small fintech company based in Toronto. There was maybe five people on the team and I stayed there for five years and it was an incredible experience working at a business to kind of learn how to build from the ground up and how to really get people around a mission and build culture at a company. Incredible fast track journey. I think I learned more in five years than a lot of people would learn in like 20 years at maybe like a larger corporation, but it was incredible. And throughout my time there, I knew that ultimately my goal was to launch my own business. And, you know, I have a lot of passions in life. I'm very passionate about hair and makeup and clothing and all of these things. But I was like, what industry would make sense? Something that I have a deep understanding of. And I happen to be the daughter of a funeral director. So my dad is a funeral director. My mom is a hospice nurse. I've really just grown up around the end of life space and through conversations with them, I definitely had a light bulb moment of 
This industry doesn't seem to be changing much. However, consumers' needs are changing. And I think just generally trends are changing quite significantly. And so I started to look into the industry and that's how Irene came to be. I think it was kind of based on two things. One is looking at the biggest pain points that families face while navigating the end of life experience. I think it's a very opaque industry. No one really talks about death and grief and it's complex and confusing for grieving families. And then the other side of it was, as I said, looking at the biggest trends, cremation is massive in Canada. It's about 80% of Canadians today choose cremation. Families are looking to spend less. They're not looking to spend $20,000 on a burial anymore. And I think people just want more unique approaches to how we memorialize. So that's really what Irene is. As you've seen, it's simplifying the experience. It's making it more affordable and really putting the choice back in the hands of the families that we're serving. There's a couple of things that I picked up on during your conversation. You talked about the people over at Wealth Simple, and we've had Paul mm-hmm. Tashima on the show. Wonderful person. Really learned a lot from him and enjoyed those conversations. Katie, is it Katie McGrath or Katie O'Leary? What, her name changed recently because she recently got married, but there's a lot of great people over there. And same as your experience, I've heard a lot of people who really enjoyed when they were starting out and how the fast growth that they had, that their people that have since moved on really had mm-hmm. a really great learning opportunity. So I wanted to just give a shout out there. I remember from our first conversation that your dad was a funeral director, but mm-hmm. I had forgotten that you had told me your mom was a hospice. Uh, what's the term? Hospice nurse. Yeah. Hospice nurse. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because again, you touched on it. People are confused about end of life. They're fearful. We've all gone through it. And I've personally encountered people who have cared for people who are terminal. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's very impactful. So growing up, maybe you can just talk a little bit about what your mom does, because I'd be curious yeah. to hear. And I think if I'm curious about that, other people would be too. Yeah, for sure. You know what? I think that there's a lot of misinformation about what hospice is, right? For one, I think people think that palliative care and hospice care are the same. They are not the same. Palliative care is about extending your life and ensuring that you're living a very comfortable life. Hospice is at the end of your life. And a hospice environment is really, it feels like home. You walk into it. I've I've spoken to people who they were standing outside a hospice and they're terrified to go in because they just don't know what that looks like. I think that's just how people feel about death overall. And then they walk in and someone's cooking on the stove and it's just like there's dogs there. and, And it's just such a beautiful experience. Anyone who knows me knows I love my mom dearly. My mom is the best person in the world. I think there's no one better suited to be a hospice nurse because I think the love that she shows everyone in her life really is shown through her nursing care. And not to say it's not a very hard job. I mean, you're surrounded by people of all ages who are going through the end of life. And that is a big part of life overall. You know, people often, I think, want to avoid death, but the reality is, is that is just a part of our, our life. So both of my parents are incredible at their jobs. You have to be a very specific type of person because you are providing, like my dad's case, a service. And then you also have to be empathetic And it's also still a business. And there's all these elements that come into play in that capacity. So funeral directors, when you meet them, they'll probably have like a a funny sense of humor, because I think you have to, to some extent, to protect yourself from what you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. But they will be just like, just so incredible at their jobs, because it, it is dealing with anyone at the end of life. It's very challenging. My mom is the same. You know, she started off as nursing in a hospital, but transitioned to hospice care and it's just a totally different world to be in, but it is a part of life. And if you can help 
I think all of us believe that we are like, it's, I'm very honored to be able to help people through that stage of life. And I know that's how both my parents feel as well. So anyone who meets any of us is probably is not thinking that we work in the tough care space, but I think that's the biggest point of what we're doing, right? Kind of just trying to reinvent what people think about end of life. Mallory, where'd the name come from? Irene. So Irene means a state of peace. It's actually the Greek goddess of peace. So Irene, I think, is kind of twofold. One, being a goddess, it's important to me, a woman-owned business. 95% of our team are also women. I guess just paying respect to women overall. Women are often in charge of arrangements. And so that was the first piece of it, being a goddess. And then the second piece is the meaning of peace, which is really what we want families to feel when they're navigating the experience and interacting with our brand. And I think that even is demonstrated in our brand. If you look at its lighter colors, it's just totally opposite of what you would see in funeral services overall. So that's how it came to be. And I also liked how it sounded like a person's name. A lot of funeral services is like basic, simple, And I wanted to feel just more human. I'm glad I asked. Your passion and your compassion really shines through just even from this conversation. You're a young entrepreneur. You're a female. I'm going to bet there are times when you Mm -hmm. maybe, like every entrepreneur out there, has to deal with some Mm self-doubt. Probably. What do you mean every day? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Probably from yourself, probably from others. How do you deal with that? There's, I guess, two sides of it. One is on the the doubt from others, especially, as you said, as a woman entrepreneur, also in a, a category that really hasn't been defined in the tech world, right? It's we're reinventing or creating, I should say, a new category in disruption. And so there's a lot of doubt of, is this the right time? Are you the right person? I think as women, any woman who is listening to this right now, I think we have probably bigger uphill battles to face when it comes to fundraising and getting the right people on board. I think that's even shown through how women and men can generally be perceived when they're pitching. There's a different perception that occurs. And so early on, especially when it came to fundraising, when I started pitching, like it was a very frustrating experience for me because I would get feedback that didn't make sense. So for example, I always tell the story that someone said to me that they didn't see that it was a big market opportunity. And I said, well, every single person in the world dies and everyone needs someone to care for them. Like that is, that's a pretty big market opportunity, you know? And so I would have conversations like that initially. And I was like, what is going on? And with time, I came to the realization that when I enter a room, whether it's to pitch or make a business connection or like, there's always going to be kind of these preconceived notions of who I am, how I look, my age, all of these things that are coming into play. And I can't control that. Those things are out of my control. And so there's things I can control, which is obviously being prepared and understanding my business and being able to answer questions. And that's all I can do. And so that has just come with time. I think it's just a confidence thing of you know, I know how to navigate those conversations a little bit better now. And and I don't really take things personally, because business is business. Once again, that's come with time. If you have talked to me three years ago, my answer would have been totally different. And sometimes I, I do like a little bit of doubt. I mean, in the funeral industry, I think everyone thought that our business would crumble within a few months. Well, not everyone, but some people. And that kind of fuels me. I like a little bit of competition and it's kind of fun to be under the radar. And then all of a sudden people are like, wait, who's this Irene person? I had someone in the industry say to me recently, like, you're a unicorn, like no one knows where you came from. And I was like, that's exactly my strategy. And then on the self-doubt side, I think it's every day, ultimately, like you think you just think like, oh my gosh, I'm a CEO. I'm in charge of 
keeping people paid and running this business and caring for all these families. And I mean, I'm 30 and I still have so much to learn, but I can't remember who said it. There was a woman once who said she had so much imposter syndrome and she got in this room with like some of the smartest people in the tech industry. And she sat down and she's like, oh, like, really? This is who I thought just had it all figured out. And turns out no one has it all figured out. Like that's just the reality of life. So I'm very kind and patient with myself. I'm very, very honest of what I do and don't know. But I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think some of the smartest people have imposter syndrome. I think you actually should have a little bit of that because that can fuel you to move forward. Well, you just said a lot. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of good stuff in there that we could spend over the next hour unpacking. But I did pick up on a couple of things. And you said it right at the end. I think one of the best things you can do, especially as a young entrepreneur, but as anyone, you don't have all the answers. You really no. don't. And to pretend that you do, you know, you're just going to make your life a lot tougher as soon as you say, I, I'm not sure I know what I'm doing here. People exactly. are happy to help out. And I think some- people appreciate it, right? I remember early on in investor conversations, once again, I would be hard on myself if they asked me something I didn't know the answer to. And now I'm just comfortable saying, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I will get back to you. I'll get back Mm -hmm. to you tomorrow with that answer. And that's okay to say. That's actually better to say than just making something up. So yeah, and you know what? So much of my experience has just been confidence with time. And yeah, time is a great thing. The other thing you said that I like, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but (laughs) Yogi Berra said something to the effect of, listen, if you can control it, why worry about it? Right. And if you can't control it, why worry about it? Right. <laughs> Every day in business, like there's so many things you cannot control. And that's hard. Like when I started therapy a few years ago, one of the first things my therapist said was I had perfectionist tendencies. And I totally agree with her. I totally do. But running a business has made me so much more patient and has allowed me to let go of a lot of those tendencies because you have to, in order to move forward, you really have to. But once again, it just comes down to time. And I'm sure there's still a lot of things I need to work on. So talk about some of the things that you think have made you a successful entrepreneur. Share us some of your secrets. Secrets. Oh my gosh. I mean, just (laughs) discipline. Secrets, habits. Yeah. I would say discipline. Like I think I'm a very disciplined person. The further you get into entrepreneurship and running a business, and maybe this is just me, but I'm sure it's the same for a lot of entrepreneurs. Like I'm like, this has to move forward. Like we're so far in, we've made it this far. So every day I wake up and I am very disciplined with my time and my contributions to the business. I think that's really, really crucial as an entrepreneur. I mean, I often get people say, well, couldn't someone else do this business, right? And maybe not often, but sometimes people say that and There's just so many elements that have to fall into play. And I think a lot of people just don't have the discipline for entrepreneurship. It's definitely not made for everyone. So I would say that's definitely one of them. I think kind of going back to this balance of, I'm a very confident person, but I still am incredibly hard on myself. And I think that's an important trait. And a lot of really successful people have that trait, this like anxiety of like, I need to be better, but also you have to have this element of like, I'm the greatest at this. It's like, Kobe and Tiger Woods, like they have that kind of balance. And and I think that's definitely how I would define myself. I'm incredibly hard on myself every day. I always think I can do more, but I also think I'm the best equipped for what I'm currently doing. So it's finding that balance of a little bit of ego, but also being like, you need to do better every day. So I think that's, I mean, that's just how I've always been. I mean, since I was born, my mom would say. 
So I think that's fun. And, and definitely just patience. That has been a learned skill for me, still learning to this day. But in my world, I wish that everything would move very quickly and I could just go, go, go. But there are so many moving pieces to a business. And so being patient with time and then using the discipline to make sure that things move forward and you have multiple moving pieces has really been crucial, I would say, to this point, because especially when you're in a regulated industry, things move very slowly. (laughs) So you have to be very patient. I love that answer. And I'm going to throw in one more. And I don't know whether you know this about yourself. If you're listening to the podcast, you can't maybe necessarily see this. It's funny because we talked about this in one of our meetings the other day. This whole time you have been smiling (laughs) and the smiling comes through your voice. And we talked about that the other day. Like, you know, people can tell when you're smiling, even if you're on the telephone and they can't see you. Your whole conversation. And again, for people who can't see this, you can tell that your smile (laughs) is coming through in this whole conversation. I don't know if you were aware of that or not, but I had to throw (laughs) that in. No, that's really good. I mean, you know what? I really enjoy this. I think I was built to be an entrepreneur and a founder. I think it's a part of kind of reinventing and and helping people rethink about what end of life looks like and what a tech entrepreneur looks like. I'm a woman, of course, I'm a young woman, but also reinventing, yeah, just what end of life looks like. I think most people think that I will be very dark and, and have dark hair and it's not that. I, I think that death and being in this industry allows me to live my life in a really positive way. And so I'm glad that that comes through. I mean, I'm very passionate about what I do and I love speaking to people about it. So, Well, it comes through loud and clear and it's contagious in such a good way. And it's funny that we were just chatting about that. And of course, we run into you. One of the benefits of the podcast has been the network that we built. And if I can offer some advice to you as a young entrepreneur, It took me a long time to realize I didn't have to have all the answers, right? It's that Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. People are looking at you. They expect you to have the answers. How can you not? Mm -hmm. And through the podcast, I've met so many people where I've just, I've had lunch with them or I've phoned them up and I just said, you know, I need to pick your brain about this. And it's amazing how willing other entrepreneurs and business leaders are who have had that, maybe had that experience that you haven't had yet, how willing they are to help. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to, you know, the network that you've built, reach yep. out to those people along the way, because again, we're not going to have all the answers, right? And Al and I, especially this summer, we've sat down with a lot of people where we've come away with that light bulb moment thinking, oh my gosh, that's something we can implement. It was really helpful. So kudos on you for recognizing that, that, hey, I don't have to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about your business and kind of your expectations of yourself and that perfectionism, <laughs> but especially these days, people are talking a lot about that work-life balance and making sure their mental health and and physical health is taken care of. How do you personally balance out your personal life with, hey, I'm the CEO of this company and I have so many demands on me? So I think the easy answer is I don't to some extent. I recognize that I'm in a place where I have, I wouldn't say work-life balance, I have work-life flow. So how I approach entrepreneurship in my week-to-week schedule is there's certain things that are very important for me to be at. So I have a niece, I have a family that I'm very close with. I have my good friends who are getting engaged and married and having babies. And there's things that are a non-negotiable of me being there and, and prioritizing those times. And that's how I kind of, I bring that flow into, because entrepreneurship does give me the flexibility to be there, 
you know, I see a lot of TikToks where I always want to talk about this because I see TikToks of like day in the life of an entrepreneur and it's people that are like, they go to the gym, then they go to like their friend's house and they go shopping. And I'm like, wait, at what point are you working? If I was an earlier stage entrepreneur, I'd be like, wait, this is what entrepreneurship is? Like, wow, this looks great. It's definitely a lot more work than that. It's very difficult, but it's exactly where I want to be because I can choose how my time is spent at this point. There's some things that I'm going to have to miss ultimately, or like next week I have to go to Florida for work. And there's some things I'm missing family-wise that I would have liked to be there, but there is that kind of, there's going to be that balance. And sometimes you're maybe going to have a bit more life going on, a little bit more work going on. Like there's going to be that fluctuation. In, and that's why I like to call it flow because for me, that is the balance it's not meant for everyone. Like I speak to some people and they're like, you don't clock out at 5 PM. And I'm like, Nope, I'm always working, but I'm happy with that because I'm building something that I think is really incredible and monumental. And I want to dedicate my time to that. I will just preface all of this by saying I am single and I do not have children. So I'm in a, a position of privilege in that sense. I just have to take care of my dog right now, but yeah, you know what? I think I'm kind of as my life continues on and, and priorities change, like I'll be able to figure out what that flow looks like. Actually, most of the parents I know are the most productive people I've ever met because they are very specific on their time. So we'll see how life goes. But right now, that's that's where I'm at. I've seen the videos that you're talking about on TikTok about the you know a day <laughs> in the life. I'm like, who are you kidding? Like, what <laughs> business are you running? Yeah. Definitely not. But I've heard over the years personally, I've heard some great advice that I've received when I was younger and I continue to receive, but I've also had really, really bad advice out there. I'm like, Ooh. and I have to wonder where they are in their business, because if you're giving bad advice, you wouldn't have got to where you are. So maybe you can share with what's the best piece of advice that you've mm-hmm. seen for entrepreneurs and perhaps the worst as well. I mean, always worse will come up first for me because you hear some wild things. And one thing I'll say to other people listening who are building a business or thinking about doing so is you will get a lot of advice, whether you want it or not. And I think what's really important when you're entering those conversations is understanding what type of business you're building, what type of life you want to have, all of these elements, because very early days specifically, I was told a lot of advice that it was kind of what they wanted for themselves. So I'll give you an example. I I had someone tell me that if they were me, they would just start a business with a few of their friends and just kind of just do that. And I said, well, that's not the business that I'm building. I'm building hopefully a billion dollar business and I love my friends, but I'm not interested in working with them. And so I've gotten a lot of advice like that over the years or even just feedback about what I should be doing differently. And really remaining focused, taking the advice and like really, I think, absorbing what information you're receiving, because a lot of it can be very helpful, but setting the boundary, just know what boundaries to set and exactly being confident in in what you're doing. So worst advice is basically, yeah, once again, it comes down to what people have told me about kind of what they would do and me being able to take a step back and say, that was a bit weird, but I don't think I'm going (laughs) to, I'm not going to take that advice. In the moment, I just nod and smile. I'll just add one more piece to this. Everywhere you see people talk about just if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And you know what? I love what I do, but I'm still working. I work a lot. (laughs) So there is that balance. Like I don't want to set like this fantasy of entrepreneurship. It is incredibly challenging. Running a business is very hard. Loving what I do allows me to wake up every morning and do it all over again. But it's not like this fantasy that exists. So I think that like some of the things we see in the media can really glamorize it. 
but it's challenging. And I think being aware of that, I honestly, going into this, I didn't know how hard it would be. And I think that being that naive probably helped me to some extent in terms of the best advice I've ever received. I mean, we have so many incredible advisors and investors around us who are constantly guiding me. It's what you were saying earlier, which is tapping into those people for answers. Every time I have those conversations, I step away like, wow, I need to talk to them more often. Like they have a lot of the answers that I don't. And I find that incredibly beneficial. One thing that Michael Katchen said to me early on, and it's really stuck with me is you are going to talk about your business and, and say exactly what you do so many times that it's going to annoy you at one point. And at the point that it annoys you, that's when it's really starting to stick. And it's funny because I got to that point recently where I was like, oh my God, I, like, does anyone want to even hear what I'm talking about? Because I'm just repeating myself over and over. But it's true. It's like, that's where I feel like, okay, now we are, people are talking about Irene in the community and I hear kind of feedback about us and, and it's starting to be that network effect. And while that's not really advice, I think it was just something that stuck with me because I did have that moment this year and it just made me kind of smile and think, wow, like look how far I've come and I'm going to continue to annoy myself for, for, for this point. <laughs> it's always amazing how we remember those quotes from those people who have had some impact on our life, right? right. So and it's, he probably I, uh... doesn't even remember saying that to me, but it just really stuck with me for some reason. Well, on that note, that's a great segue to our next question, Al's signature question, because obviously you just said it. He doesn't know, Michael doesn't know necessarily the impact that he had on your life. So Al, that's a great segue for the signature question. It is, isn't it? So here we go. So the question is this, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yes. I think I'm planting a massive tree. Well, I hope I'm planting a massive tree for women in business and leadership. I am someone who speaks up and I primarily speak up for people who come after me. And so I'll give you an example. I had an experience last year with a venture firm and it was not a positive one. I I felt it was a bit disrespectful to my time. And, you know, a lot of the times I just move on. But I thought about all of the women who would be applying and coming after me. And I don't want them to have that same experience because it it can just be sad sometimes, right? To have those experiences, it can be disheartening. And so I provided feedback. For me, it's not about burning bridges. It's just saying, listen, I don't want this to happen to other people. I want the best success for you and others. And so I speak up and you know what? I speak up every day because I want us to create a world and create kind of a business world that allows women to thrive because I just don't think we're there yet. I definitely voice my opinion every day to people. And I think you can still do that in a respectful way. And the more we speak up and stand up for women, I think the better world. So I do it for potentially if I have a daughter one day and grandchildren and all of that. I have a niece, as I said earlier in the podcast, I want people to see me and say, wow, I can be that because I think as we have more women in leadership, then that paves a path for the future. So that's what I see. And hopefully just once again, like planting trees and and changing the conversation for future generations to discuss death and make grief more normalized and, and have people more comfortable with that because it generally just is a part of life. And I think there's so much benefit to having these conversations. So that's what I would say. I mean, maybe there's other things, but hopefully I'm planting a lot of trees. I think if I could maybe have some magic window onto the future, 
just from our conversation today and what I've seen so far, like, I think you're going to be planting a lot of trees in the future. (laughs) I hope so. My ultimate goal in the future is to build a foundation that is really focused on women's rights and ensuring access to education and reproductive rights and and all these things that I think are so tremendously important for women to contribute to society. And so actually, Irene does plant trees for every family that uses us as well. So we also have an impact on the environment, literally. I love that. Another first on the podcast, actually planting trees. (laughs) We are actually planting trees. Yes. Mallory, this has been fantastic. That's a great place for us to wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel very grateful that we've met and we've had this conversation. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Irene? Yeah, absolutely. So LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is the new network. That's where I'm always at. So Mallory J is my middle initial green, green with an E on the end. I'm on Twitter. I don't really use it anymore for obvious reasons, but LinkedIn usually is the best place to find me. Perfect. Well, that does it for today's episode. Al and I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues. See you next time.